2: So if I were to wrap this up, tie it with a bow, whatever, I guess I'd say my armor, it was never a distraction or a hobby. It was a cocoon. And now,
0: I'm a changed man.
2: You can take away my house, All my tricks and toys, one thing you can't take away,
1: I am Iron Man.
2: Welcome
0: everyone to Trek FM's dedicated General Geek Show. So excited to be here tonight. We have this show and one more show for you coming for the 602 Club. Uh, Next show will be coming out, will be Rogue One. So huge finale for the year for the 602 Club. I'm super excited to bring that to you. But before that, no, you're not missing out on anything this week. We are still diving into another fun subject. We're actually going to be continuing with our Marvel series as we look forward to the new year with some brand new Marvel films that will be coming out. And that means we're actually at Marvel's Christmas movie, Iron Man 3. And joining me here tonight to talk about that, some wonderful, incredible gentlemen. So excited to have back Richard. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Matt? Oh gosh, I'm I'm so excited. I don't know about you, but I got the you know the Christmas tree up. The holidays are set, ready to enjoy that with some friends and family, and I'm ready to be off work too.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I I have a two week vacation coming up, so it'll be well-deserved. <laughs> same
0: here. Same here. Hey, Ken, it's great to have you back here in the 602 Club.
2: Matt, it's wonderful to be back. I am I am really pumped for this topic. I, like you guys, am ready for the holidays, some downtime with the family, and some light, easy listening on Trek FM.
0: <laughs> well, before we dive in, just uh, want to remind everybody that you can find all the shows here at Trek FM on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. That's our main place main hub you can find us all over the other different areas where you get your podcast uh, your podcatcher of choice but on itunes we're a feature provider you know what really all we want for christmas here at the 602 club star ratings and reviews so hit us up with some of those on itunes we'll give you a shout out in the show when you do and i just want to say a special thank you to everybody who's listened all year really appreciate you and i hope you will continue doing so you can find us on twitter trekfm Facebook, facebook.com slash trek.fm. Listeners only discussion group is there on Facebook, and that's called the Babel Conference. Type that into the search field on Facebook, or if you're at our website, trek.fm, you can click discussion on any of the menu bars that will take you over there. If you like email, go over to trek.fm slash contact. Choose a show. Choose the 602 Club, and that'll come straight to me. And last but not least, love getting voicemails, speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. Now, guys, it's not really a joke that this is the Christmas movie of the Marvel Universe, because as most Shane Black movies are, it takes place during Christmas. And I thought it was really interesting because this movie makes uh, a lot of play of the idea that the past comes back to haunt us. And Tony really has a lot of kind of ghosts of Christmas past come back to make his life a, a living hell. And, and I love that the movie actually even starts connecting us to something we heard about in the first Iron Man film where he actually meets the scientist that he'll end up really meeting, quote unquote, for the first time in the cave in Afghanistan because he doesn't remember meeting him at this party. I, I love this. I thought this was so smart as a way to kind of connect this Iron Man trilogy together.
2: It really did come full circle, right? And uh, yeah, it was it it was neat, and it wasn't just the ghost of Christmas Past; it was the present that was also wreaking havoc yes. with him as well. Just the uh, the adventures he had just come off of in New York City. So you're right. There was, there's a great analogy there, Matt.
1: Totally agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it, it was seeing him for the first time, uh, or at least the second time, in uh, or at least first time in this movie. Um, but, like, yeah, it's it's great to uh, see that they're tying those all together and, and you know, it, apparently, I mean, he's, he's his guardian angel, I guess you could say, first one, and he does not even know it at this time.
0: No, that's so true. I, I love that. You know, he helped save his life in the cave in Afghanistan and he doesn't even remember meeting the dude because, well, he was more worried about other things like, uh, you know, Well, let's just be honest, trying to get some action. Uh, And what I love, though, in this is the way in which we see the basest part of Tony's existence at that point. You know, he is completely self-absorbed, completely self-obsessed. He cares nothing but just trying to get the next lady and having a good time. And that... Lifestyle and that attitude are some of the things to which he's going to have to deal with. That are some of those ghosts from the past and the present that really all come home to roost in this movie. I, th- I thought that was really interesting.
2: It's that celebrity piece of it too, Matt, which I think is is really interesting. You have these people that meet him, contact him, and they're impacted by him because of who he is and the status that he has. And he's just moving on, right? He's, he's, he's trucking right through. But in his wake are all these people that made an attempt to get to know him, to pull him in, uh, to, to have an adventure with him beyond just, uh, you know, rolling around and, and the things that he does. So I think it's, it's, it's amazing that uh, his character, because this, this movie starts off in 1999. So I'm not sure how old he was supposed to be. But still, even then, he wasn't a young pup. He looked young, he was younger, but uh, even at that stage, well, when we meet him for the first time uh, going to Afghanistan, he, he's just never grown up. He's the, um, he's, he's Bruce Answer. Wayne who's not pretending. I don't know how else to put it, right? <laughs>
0: no, that, I think that's actually a really good way to put it, Ken. Um, he is that character that never really, I mean, he's kind of a man boy. He just never grew up, you know, and and part of that has to do with you know as we saw kind of in the second movie his daddy issues, right? Uh, never feeling like he's going to live up to his dad, and and not getting that affirmation there, and and all of that that happens. So uh, that's the one area where I think uh, Iron Man two has some validity for helping us understand Tony's character. But uh, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, and I like that because. Again, we're talking about this idea of coming full circle. And so this movie starts even before the first movie. And so that by the time we get to the end of this movie, I think they're trying to make a clear distinction that Tony has had an arc, that he's moved forward, that his character is moving forward. But he's going to have to go through a lot to get there.
1: Right, and he, he's he got to break down quite a bit too. I mean, he almost lost everything in New York. And, I mean, well, obviously this is the aftermath, of what happened, and um, you know, obviously, it's all coming full circle, and he's breaking down um, left and right with all his anxiety issues. So, yeah,
0: well, and and I think you're right too, because you know, as you said, you got this whole other side—not just ghosts of the past, but these kind of demons of our own making—and this connects with that first section because Tony. Ends up making some demons by the actions that he did all of those years ago back in 1999. And it's interesting because for comic book lore, Tony's most famous story is called Demon in a Bottle, uh, where he's an alcoholic. And, you know, there's no way that Disney and Marvel are going to do that story with all the kids watching. Just not copacetic anymore to show somebody like that uh, in that kind of time and that kind of frame. Uh, but and it's disappointing because you know having somebody beat something that insidious I think is a good storyline.
2: Hmm. I well, I challenge a little bit on that. Man, do you really think so? Because you know, I just re- watched this movie, rewatched it yesterday, and it's been a while. And um, a couple of the things that struck me: one, the violence, the killing. You know, Tony Stark does not hold back at all. Right, these these guys. No, he's, and, and he's every no one like of Superman. these bad people, in a sense, are victims. They were pulled into something. Right, they kind of lost control of who they were. So it was it was kind of dark, you know. And even Pepper was pretty dark. She was not a compassionate person in this movie. I didn't think so. I, I just found it. You know, it's like okay, they are they are touching on for for a Marvel movie, which kind of plays kind of high level. You know, they they don't get as as deep or as brooding sometimes as the DC films rewatching it i had a different view of it and i'm just wondering well maybe they would approach that story it it seems like they were willing to go to a few extra lengths in this one it wasn't as comic booky um the plot was and all that other stuff but it was it it had some deep undertones
0: and i think you're you're absolutely right ken because instead of doing the demon in the bottle i think they they do the demon in tony yeah uh, which is his arrogance this 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 arrogance this uh self obsession that he has is is a demon that he's going to have to continue to fight because i mean it legitimately happens in the film that he mouths off to a terrorist, at least what we think is a terrorist at the beginning of the movie right tells him where he lives and then has to deal with the repercussions of that, and I think that's really you know th- this whole movie, I think, in, in a lot of ways, is about deconstructing who Tony is and who, who, who he is, the man in the suit, and all of those things so that when we finally kind of build him back up in the movie, he'll be a different person. And I think that's one of the reasons, too, that he doesn't spend a lot of time actually in the suit. Because this is a movie about Tony, it is, yeah, not really about Iron Man,
1: right? And 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 we also don't really know much about him when it comes to his personal life and what's important to him as well. Obviously, with this movie, we see Pepper Potts is is you know his, uh, I mean, he, uh, he, you know, she's very important to him, and you know he gets he gets all worked up about um what happened in New York, and it's just yeah, I mean, we we cl- we clearly don't know what's really important to him except for his suits and um his money, fame, and Well, chasing after women, so, yeah, I mean, really, we don't know.
0: Well, and I I think that's a really good point, Richard, because by giving him the PTSD from his adventurous experience, I think helps humanize Tony, because he's Mm -hmm. always been the quippy, sarcastic kind of a-hole with cool tech. And this brings him down to earth and I think makes him feel feelings <laughs> and actually have to deal with that. And he doesn't know how to do it. And in a lot of ways, he is trying to distract himself with the suits and everything else with his tinkering instead of actually working on what's going on inside, you know? And that almost has him lose the thing that he says he can't lose, which is Pepper you know, because he's not willing to do the hard work, which is to dig deep inside and figure out what the heck is going on with him. And gotta say, I think, you know, anytime you release a nuke into a wormhole and almost die, your mortality and who you are is definitely gonna come home to roost, especially when you hang around a bunch of people who can't die. I mean, Captain America is really hard to kill. Thor doesn't look like he's gonna die anytime soon because <laughs> he's a god. Bruce Banner's impossible to kill and you know I mean you, see, so you hang around with all these people you realize I'm just a dude in a tin can <laughs> that doesn't mean I got a lot of a life expectancy
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> take all the technology and what's left yeah. yeah well you know he's he's
2: Buckaroo Bonsai too he's a rock star he's all these things and uh, he just got humbled, but you know what? The other thing is too is he's kind of the leader of the Avengers. He kind of took on that role, right? Um, concerning what he was dealing with, he, he he mounted the attack and he he kind of ended the um, the first Avengers movie doing a pretty unselfish thing, right? He was willing to climb under that wire and and die for somebody, and he was willing to die. Uh, he, there was no guarantee he was going to survive that that whole traumatic experience and he did which is amazing on itself so i i think he has shown some growth and i wasn't i wasn't taking it that he was having a hard time not willing to do the hard work necessarily to figure it out i just think he could not figure it out and that does happen to us every once in a while we get caught trying to say why am i doing these stupid things why can't i (laughs) sleep um and part of it is ego Part of it is you just don't you just don't know what it is. And and that's why I said, you know, I, I, I don't think Pepper was an asset to him while he was going through this through these trials. You know, she was kind of cold. And when he finally admits to her that he can't sleep and that he's struggling and, you know, she's very loving. Come on, let's go upstairs. He has a horrible nightmare. And I know she was spooked by the the automated uh, Iron Man thing, but she was just like, I'm done. <laughs> going downstairs you know just 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 cold um everything became about her even though he was struggling and so when you're in those situations uh it's nice to have some support and whether that was intentional by the writers or not it it was very realistic in terms of okay she's not the uh, the sympathetic empathetic person we thought she was and maybe by that point though she would have en- she'd had enough of trying i don't know but it was very <laughs> obvious to me that um i
0: do I do think that you, you've hit on something because I, I, I think the way that they play Pepper in the story is somebody who, when you, you think about it, what she's been through mm-hmm. with the, the Tony character through the Iron Man, Iron Man 2, then the Avengers. The fact that he's been pulling away from her, she's been trying to reach out, he keeps not really you know responding, and they're not talking, he becomes more and more aloof. And, uh, you know, that's that barrier that happens between people. And I think you're right. She just, she doesn't know what to do, you know? And so maybe spending some time apart will help him figure out whatever it is. You know, I, I, I think she's just frustrated and, you know, Tony's not known for being loquacious about his feelings. He's loquacious about everything else, about how awesome he is, but, you know, his feelings is not really one of them. And I think that's really where it comes from. And I think, it's a good time to kind of segue in, but, you know, the Pepper story is interesting because Pepper gets powers. Uh-huh. and
1: she re- d- Don't they remove them um, by they, the time they They hit- do
0: remove them at the end yeah. of the movie, but they have a wonderful moment where she says, I think I finally understand what it is about the suits. And I think they become more on equal footing. Because she can understand the the kind of experience that he's been having every time he puts on the suit, because she's been able to do some pretty incredible things herself. And I thought to me that's the part that I liked about that story is that helped them. I, I felt like, and and this is before I saw Ultron and mm-hmm. Captain America Civil War, where they'll totally ruin their relationship forever. Uh, which uh, that pisses me off to no end, especially after seeing this again, because I think they really put them in a great spot because Tony has decided who he is. He's Tony Stark and Iron Man. And he's with Pepper. And I just thought that was really special.
2: I agree with you. I thought that was um, a sad way to continue the movies. Now, I, I know external forces were what they were, so you can't control it, but it's a shame because I think everybody else would have liked to have seen this arc continue and watched him grow. Although that does play a part in, in how he reacts uh, in the next film and why he's doing what he's doing. Because we, we go from a a Tony that seems to be recovering or recovered in many aspects to uh, taking a hard nosedive once again. uh, and, And it's impacting his thought process. But I did like the fact that they gave her powers and that she had a special piece of this movie other than not that she was necessarily a damsel in distress she wasn't um, she was actually the brains behind the operation and kind of a nice story right goes from uh, an admin and personal assistant to to CEO that's not too shabby I don't know how realistic Car- that is but like pretty cool sounds like the story cool. of Carly
1: Feeney
2: <laughs> yeah it does it does I, I think um, one thing we don't have is Pepper's backstory right her yes, education really and, and all yeah. that type of thing but yeah, you're right, and and that's not to say that people haven't worked from you know as they say from uh, from private to general or seaman to admiral or what well, th- those things happen. Um, but it, you know she was she was a main character. She was a very likable character, and um, she she played a, a an awesome part in this film. I thought, and I do like it though when when people who are kind of you know this in the support roles get a uh, a front line. Piece of the movie that that's pretty special. I mean, she actually becomes the hero in the film.
1: She also got, she's also in uh, in the Iron Man suit as well. I mean, that's there's another perspective that she could have, she could um, you know see from uh, Tony Stark's eyes. But yeah, I, I absolutely love. I mean, I, I I agree with you guys. I mean, it, this definitely could have been a jumping point where we could see them grow uh, grow into a better couple. I guess you could say since he's now realizing he's got these feelings for her and um, what what he finally finds out what's important to, uh, to him. But, I mean, yeah, it's tragic that it it turns out the way it does.
0: Well, and, and what's uh, interesting to me on top of that, you know, with Pepper and then with Tony and then them together and this storyline, I thought was really nice is that we actually have a complete arc because you start the movie showing where Tony was at the beginning, you know, basically where we meet him in Iron Man, the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, And coming through all these storylines from Avengers and now into Iron Man 3, it felt like he had finally gotten over the hump that he was going to become a better person, that like there were going to be less demons. And I, I think, for me, the thing that became disappointing later on is that Tony seemed to, not really plateau, but it's almost like he seemed to fall off the horse again like, over and over, and it just became frustrating because this movie, I felt like, it really set up that Tony was going to be different going forward. I mean, he he wasn't even the same person because he had had the arc reactor pulled out. And that was a huge moment, you know, that he finally made himself whole again. I mean, it's, it's as symbolic as you can get it. And then it's like, the next time we see him and then the next time we see him, he just... I don't know, it became frustrating, but for for me here in Iron Man 3, I love where the character ends up. I think it makes for a great character arc, especially watching Tony throughout the different films up to this point.
2: Yeah, this movie all by itself is a full, true arc, right? It's, it starts off 12 years in the past, takes us through all the adventures that he's had, dealing with the PTSD Um getting together with with pepper losing the arc um it, it's incredible I, I mean it was it was it was a, like i said this movie was self-contained that's the word i was trying to say it plays very well if you had not seen the other movies you would have been able to pick up uh, a little bit more cuz they they do have the flashbacks and so forth and his dreams and what's going on and and so you know, you it obviously is very helpful if you've seen the other films, and judging by the money they've made, um, there's probably three people somewhere in Alaska that haven't caught it yet. But that's about it, right? Everybody has seen these movies, and 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 that's great. But if you think about it, it's it's a very good standalone piece. And when a movie can do that, and it doesn't have to rest its laurels on the other pieces of it, because you can you can gather quite quickly who Tony was from Iron Man, yes. what he went through with uh, the Avengers and, and dealing with it now. That's what makes this a complete movie. It's not a perfect movie, but it makes it a very complete movie.
0: What did you guys think? In, in, because this is an interesting Iron Man story in the sense that we don't spend a lot of time with Iron Man in his suit. How did you guys respond to this storyline in the way that they told the story for the fact that, yeah, you don't really see the character in his getup for a majority of the movie?
1: When I saw it initially uh, in the theater, I absolutely did not like it, um, and that's because I mean, it it felt like the film felt like it was the it was the end of Iron Man. It, that's what it felt like, and not knowing what was going to happen next, and not knowing what uh, what the plans were, it was just it just. I mean, yeah, I I mean, I get where I, mean, I get where he's coming from. Uh, you know, he's he's total loss, PTSD is, is is ramping up high, which I can relate to because. I've been there, <laughs> but like, it's just, it's, it, it just felt like it was, they were closing out the whole entire thing. And I'm like, oh, no, are they going to do Iron Man four or, or are they going to just stop him right here? Or there's going to be more. And really it, it, it brought up more questions than than really answers for me. Cause I mean, yeah, he closed, I mean, like you said, I mean, he, he felt whole again, taking the art reactor out. That's great. But I mean, like what's next? I mean, cause there's so much more to the Marvel universe. Than just stopping Iron Man right there, so I, I don't know. That's how I initially fe- uh, felt about it. But when obviously Age of Ultron came out, and the, all the other movies coming out after that, it this movie is perfect for setting up Age of Ultron. I mean, it just it's the answer how what he was feeling in uh, Iron Man three, and I mean it just he just took off. But like you said, he fell off the wagon again. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sometimes mad i think less is more and and i i like the um the more tony stark less iron man because when iron man comes back or you know and, and they they kind of went i think a little overboard with the amount of iron men quote unquote uh that were pulled into this movie uh I, I i i like seeing the expressions i like seeing the person i think robert downey jr is a is a great actor um and he's he 's got a style and, and a uniqueness about him he owns Tony Stark he absolutely owns it and you you get pulled right in so I thought the connection um, with the boy was was really special those are the things I like in in movies too when you you know you, you get the kid who's bullied who kind of finds the uh, superhero and plays a small role and kind of helping him out and I, I thought the, the the subplots of the movie and the and kind of the B storylines were actually better in many in in many In my opinion, than even the overall plot, because we've seen this plot um, in in other films. But that that's what I liked. I I like the character. I like that the fact that they open up Tony Stark, and you know they have to give Robert Downey Jr. something to do, and I think they were able to do it in this film, right? Because eighty percent of the rest of it is just him, you know, with a close up of his face talking to Jarvis while he's zooming around, and and in this case, you know, even even the the dragging of the Iron Man suit was very symbolic, uh, I thought, uh, you know, like the weight that he was pulling across the snow and, and the burden that he was carrying. I, I don't know if that was meant to be symbolic, but that's kind of the way I read into that and trying to figure things out. I mean, it was it was a heavy moment. He got his ass kicked. Uh, he got his house destroyed. Um, you know, he's he's about as low as he can go, but he was... Even with the, with the kid and the way they started the conversations, he was still there. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought that that was probably the best parts of the movie because the effects, the action, it was intense, and they always are. They always ramp it up, ramp it up, ramp it up. The spectacle was the spectacle. The best parts of this, the story to me were the human parts of the story, and that's what carries me into, into these films actually further is when they, when they go in that direction because then it's relatable. I, I have no idea what it's like to fly around in a suit, but I certainly know what it's like, right, to, to deal with hard times, we all do, or, or good times, or, or deal with children, all, all that kind of stuff. It's, it, it made it very relatable.
0: I completely agree with you. I, I think, to me, the, the things that I really loved about the movie, uh, and the more I see it, the more I can see that the young boy that he meets is really a representation of who he was as a kid, probably the guy that got picked on and was a little bit too geeky for his own good, really <laughs> smart, you know, yep, yep. Uh, and a wise ass, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, that's who Tony Stark probably was as a kid. You know, it wasn't till he got a little bit older and kind of grew into himself. He became the ladies man. I'm pretty sure he's the kid who got a lot of noogies and, you know, swirlies <laughs> and yeah, and all got sorts you cheer of for bad things.
2: Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean I mean, they, when he opened up that garage at the end, weren't you all going? That's what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes that was yeah, like the best yeah. garage ever
1: um, I mean,, I, no, Mark I, I thought yeah. that that was
0: fantastic. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Ken, is that that storyline helps open up the character of Tony Stark so he can make the decisions he's going to make later, where he's going to wipe the slate clean and start over. He's going to take the arc reactor out. He is going to realize that he's Iron Man and Tony Stark. And they're not like, he's not just one or the other, but it's together. You know, like both of those personalities are part of who he is. One doesn't control the other. You know, they work in concert. And it felt like there was a balance to the character by the end. But it's because we got to kind of pry back the onion layers of Tony Stark and get down to the root of who he is and why he is and all of that. And I thought that that's what made this movie, to me, a lot of fun because it challenged the character. You know, the the problem with Iron Man 2 is that it's the same story that they did in Iron Man, basically, with daddy issues thrown in. You know, so this one actually tells you a whole new part of the character and why he decides to move forward and i think you're absolutely right in saying that this movie is kind of a whole arc unto itself it starts at the beginning from before the original iron man and comes full circle and and that's really really special i have to ask you this because you know the mandarin character normally in the comics is a genius scientist and superhumanly skilled martial artist and his primary source of power are 10 power rings that he adapted from alien technology from a craft spaceship. And uh, each ring has a different power, it's one on a different finger. But in the comics, it's also very a Fu- Manchu stereotype. And they decided that that's not where they wanted to go with this character, and I, I wanted to know how you both felt about. How they dealt with the Mandarin in the
1: storyline, isn't that the problem with uh, Marvel villains as is? I mean, it's when when I when I initially saw this movie and uh, you know I, when I heard that the Mandarin was going to be in it, I was very excited about the whole entire movie because, I mean, up until this point, we don't really see villains that are, I guess you could say, diabolical or, or and dynamic. Or, uh, yeah, and dynamic. Thank you. Uh, and it's just, and I don't know, it, it's, it's, it was really, it was a letdown saying that all he was, was basically an actor, um, that was acting and, <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. It could have been a lot better. I mean, it's, it's just, it's my, it's my, it's one of my biggest problems with um, Marvel uh, films is that we see the hero beat the, uh, uh, beat the villain and everything, but and um, in, in at times kill them and everything, but why do we have to kill them? Why can't we just like say they escaped or something like that, or something like that? I mean like I mean, if they're able to come up with these plans to i mean to hijack the airways and um, be able to call the President of the United States on his cell phone, I mean you'd think he'd have a better plan <laughs> i don't know, but I mean I, I really was kind of disappointed in it, so but I mean, it worked.
2: Yeah, it was a gimmick. It was a twist. It, it, you know, I, I, it had been so long since I've, I've read the comic books. I've been up to speed. I did know the Mandarin. My, my son, my middle son, is really big yeah. into this, and he was really disappointed. You know, it, I, it rocked him a bit. You know, he's like, no, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And you know, we, when we build something in our heads, and we've been reading something for a long time, we're always disappointed if they go in a completely different direction. Sometimes. For the for the plot of the film, and this is you know, the, the, this was the part of the story, the, the the whole villainous piece of this story was very difficult to, to believe, comprehend, and you know, it was it was a plot taken right from another movie. We can talk about that later, but it it just seemed to be it was it was an attempt at humor that I felt didn't land as well as they would have liked to it landed. I I wasn't laughing at it. I'm I'm not a bathroom humor guy anyway, but you know, I just was ah, it, 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 it it did throw me off the scent, no pun intended, but you know, as, as to, to where they were going and who, who was really the mastermind. I mean, then it was kind of an aha moment, but, um, it was, it was a nice bait and switch, I guess. But if you're, if you're really dedicated to the, to the comic books, like you are Richard and and others, I, I could see where you walk away going, oh, come on, because you'd like to see him used maybe as a future villain, if he was that good and that, that, um, that bad a villain right in the iron iron man lexicon
1: well it's not really just you know um I, I i mean yeah okay i already have what's already set in my mind but i mean i understand that you know uh it can't oh i mean obviously we can't we, and the mandarin you know has a whole, much larger uh story arc than what they on oh, what they showed and i guess you can't really really show that in in a two hour movie or at least that entire history, which actually I would love to see if they could try to do that. But like, I mean, it's like, it, it, I mean, especially with the Mandarin, it, it just, I don't know. I, I, I just expect more for Marvel. I mean, they got great heroes. We're talking about their background stories, what 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 their vulnerabilities and and what hurts them. But I mean, like, we don't see the strengths of the villains. I mean, all we see is the superheroes um, basically just overpowering the villains who aren't really anything anyway.
0: <laughs> it's an interesting thing with this one because they had some realities to think of because he's supposed to be Chinese. And a character like this, you have to be very careful with if you're thinking about the Chinese market, which is huge. So you don't want it to do anything basically to upset them because you don't want your movie to not play there. So that's one I think that they're really thinking about. So there's that Elseworld reality. It's interesting, too, you know, the, the character has these magical power alien technology rings and it. I'm surprised that they didn't actually use that as a an ability to connect with where they'd go with Doctor Strange later on. As a way to kind of introduce otherworldly and or maybe magical ability into you know so that they don't even go there they don't even try to go there because they just make him an actor playing a part. what I actually liked about the character before we find out that he's just a fraud was the whole talk about i mean you're you're doing like attacks and terrorism, and we're doing um people being human bombs in places. I mean, we're actually talking about some interesting subjects. What I was frustrated with is they never really go there. They never really flush that out because that kind of gets pushed to a side and gets turned into the extremists and crazy science stuff. And it's just, again, like you kind of said, it's used as a gimmick, but they could have actually maybe gone there and said something interesting, but they just don't. And so it's like it works to a point. And then it mm. just like, eh, you know. Uh, but I think you're right, Richard, that in the end, it doesn't turn out to be one of the more memorable villains. I mean, honestly, Loki is probably the best villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he's the most dynamic as a character. Can't really think of many others that are actually really dynamic.
1: Mm, no. No. I mean they had an opportunity Ultron. Yeah. Really no, big right. opportunity. <laughs> uh
0: you know, you you um and you and, and that's a frustration, I think, with the whole thing because the storyline for Tony and everything is really fantastic and that arc is wonderful, but what he's up against isn't necessarily a, a real challenge. I mean, the guy goes to Home Depot and can take them out, pretty much. You know, so uh, when that's the case, it's a little bit frustrating.
1: Do you think that um, that the Iron Man villains were more they played them more realistic just because of what's going on around the world? I mean, especially when especially when they're talking about Afghanistan. I mean, obviously we're we're, we're at war right now, but well, are we at war? No, we're not. No, 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 yeah, we're still. Yeah, I, we still I, are. I think
0: it's ambiguous at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I mean, obviously when Iron Man one and two came out, we it was almost, it was, it was at the height of the Afghan war. And obviously, you know, we want to, I guess I'm, I'm assuming that they want like, you know, Iron Man's United States. And of course, the 10 rings or ISIS or whoever were fighting at that time, Al Qaeda. And, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they wanted to make it more, more realistic. I don't know. I mean, instead of going the, the mystic route, like Dr. Strange or, or, you know, actually having like alien powers for, uh, for the, uh, Mandarin. So maybe, I don't, know. I don't
2: know. I mean, the villains in this were being villains because they could be, there wasn't really anything tangible behind it. And that's what was kind of driving me crazy. You know, they they capture the president. Why? Well, okay. They're going to put the vice president in charge. Uh, okay. But it wasn't like they were on a mission or, you know, destruction of capitalism or, or this or that it was, they obtained these powers. They manipulated these poor soldiers who got no redemption. <laughs> I mean, they all got <laughs> obliterated. Um, there were all these different accidents that were going off. And the reason they created this was to kind of hide the accidents. So it wasn't like they were bombing things on purpose to make a statement until later on. So, that you know, that's that was part of the reason why this movie... The 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 better parts of it were the human parts of it, and I thought the spectacle of it got uh, just out of control, and and that's a shame because you can you can be very restrained and have great action sequences that are more impactful than what we got, right? And you know sometimes it serves the story, and then other times it was like, oh man, there, there was just a point where this was like, stop the fighting, let's be over with this because we know how it's gonna go. And uh, you know w- whatever. I mean, how many freaking Ironmen were there? <laughs> that Show up at the end of the A lot. There were a Apparently, lot. Tony had I was going to say were there lot. like forty two or something. I don't like that. know. And you know, and they and they pretty much show them too getting blown up when they when they when that attack occurred too because he was down. It was just odd. But at any rate, um, to the point of of Mandarin and the whole villain piece of it, it was it was clever from an effects point of view. It was. It was clever from a i guess you know being it, where they drove it from, being able to manipulate one's body and and all that even though this you know it's uh that that pseudoscience stuff can can get a little quirky at times but i uh I thought that the the weaker parts of the film actually were were the villain's piece it it was something to help move along tony's story but you know, it ended in any typical Marvel superhero fashion. Lots of action, a lot of computer effects, whatever. Which is fun. I'm not. I'm not a Debbie Downer on it, but it was just like, okay, this, this, this movie had a lot more heart than the direction it needed to go. I think when it when it ended, that, that's that's how I felt anyway.
0: It's interesting because the Aldrich Killian and the Maya Hansen, the the two scientists who kind of are really the villains of the piece are really interesting because they are willing to do science at all costs to get the answers that they want. And they don't care about what happens along the way to get them. They just want to get there. And, you know, at the beginning, Maya, she wants to solve this problem because she does want to help people. But it becomes an obsession. And I thought that's interesting because it actually connects with where Tony is in the movie mm-hmm. and where Tony could be if he allowed himself to go there. They're obsessed with, with getting the power. Uh, and, 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 you know, Killian is, is really about that uh, of being able to find a way to be more powerful. Tony is obsessed with his suits. He's obsessed with the Iron Man persona. He's obsessed with all of these things, but that obsession might drive him to his death and the death of others that he cares about. Same thing happens with Killian and and Hanson. You know, they both end up dead at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, because their obsession destroys them. And I think that's an interesting thing that in the movie, both of the parties that are warning each other in the end. It it's been because of certain obsessions, and Tony's wins because he has true friends on his side in the end. You know, uh, he's got Pepper, and he he's got Rhodey, and it's those flesh and blood people, not suits or whatever that that save the day. Well, that and Pepper with powers, but you know, <laughs> A little um, technology. So yeah. uh, you know, I <laughs> I think that's really interesting, and and it was interesting too because you know that promise of what that science would answer was too much for the vice president even to pass up because he wanted to make his daughter walk again so what would he do to make his daughter be able to walk again he was willing to allow them to steal the president and work with them so that he can have her walk i mean it's like the, it's a ni- it's a good question like what will you do to get what you want and i think we saw that the answer in this movie is Maybe it's better not to answer that question because that's a really dangerous question uh, if we take things too far and we get obsessive about them. And I think that's where the the storyline for the villains, it does what it needs to do. But I'm right there with you guys. It's like I would love to have the characters and the villains feel more dynamic for the most part. Again, like a Loki where it really feels like a challenge to your, I mean in the thor movies i I'd, I'd rather watch loki than thor any day cuz he's more fun he's less boring <laughs> he is, yeah um but you know i i think that really speaks to the idea of finding a way to make it all work together and i i think in the end you were right to say ken this movie is more about heart and it's more about tony's heart and and moving that character forward and i think you know in the end this movie's able to do that for the most part I did want to ask you guys about something that I noticed. You know, uh, Marvel's not really known for having great, like, music in their movies. But did y'all, when y'all watch this movie, do you hear any difference in this soundtrack as compared to some of the other films?
2: If we go right to the end credits, I enjoyed those a lot. Um, it yeah. was the only memorable music that I that really struck me from the film. And, you know, it's funny because when you're preparing for a podcast... I'm usually attuned to the music anyway, um, and and I found that the the music in this like most of the Marvel films it's kind of understated, but I really enjoyed that that seventies action movie action TV show ending. Uh, it was yes. really fun. I, I I watched the whole credits not because I was waiting for the end like they always do those little teasers at it, but it was just kind of like that. It had that 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 nice rock sound from from that era it it felt like we were going in a way back machine i have no idea why they did it by the way but it was it was fun i thought that 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 piece of it was very original i hadn't seen that in any of the it was almost um like tarantino like in a sense if he could do it that's almost what you would think he would do to a degree but that uh that was the music cue that 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 was most memorable and enjoyable and uh the rest of it was was okay
1: You know, I I actually am on the same uh, same boat as you, Ken. Uh, You know, going back to the the first Iron Man, one of my the only song that I downloaded for um, the first Iron Man was Merchant of Death, which was my favorite song out of the whole entire album. And actually, um, on Iron Man three, that was the the one you were talking about. is is the only one I downloaded as well because I absolutely love that piece. It's fantastic. And like you said, I mean, it reminds me of all those older movies that uh, that, you always, that you always see. But I mean, the music throughout the whole entire movie was pretty much the same as the first two for the most part, or at least I thought so.
0: Yeah, I like, um, you know, Brian Tyler has done a few of the Marvel scores now, and they weave that Iron Man title at the end. Uh, they call it Can You Dig It? Uh, that's the title track. It, I like that. I like that we finally kind of gave Iron Man this kind of fun theme, and and giving it that kind of retro like seventies vibe seems to fit for Tony Stark. You know, it, it, it was a really fun choice, and I I just I liked that we finally said let's create a musical motif that says Iron Man when you hear it. The same way that they did... I mean, Silvestri did the same thing for Captain America, and then he also did the Avengers theme, which everybody can hear in their heads. But -hmm. there's really only three themes that I can think of in the Marvel Universe, and it's those three. Uh, And so I think Brian Tyler did a really good job of giving us something that sounds really good. Um, Maybe the closest... I, I enjoyed Michael Giacchino's new score for Doctor Strange enough uh, and it had a kind of a Zelda mm. feel to it, but I can't hum it, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Z- no, it. it wasn't that memorable. Zelda
1: feel to it? No, it wasn't that
0: memorable, no. We've talked a lot about it, but I, I was surprised rewatching the movie, but I felt like the special effects are fantastic. I really do feel like they hold up. They, they did a fantastic job, uh, especially with the uh, falling out of the plane scene, mm-hmm. which was so incredible in 3D back in the day when I saw it in the theater. You know, I, they did great work here. Um, I, I like that for the most part, you know, we have some really big action set pieces, but the rest is Tony. So but when we do get to the effects I'm still pretty much blown away by this film which speaks highly for a movie you know that came out a few years ago that the work's still holding up so
2: I agree it it, it played well the the whole scene on the ship was that intermix of I guess reality and explosions and technology and uh, you're right it does I I couldn't think of any particular scene where I was going eh, that doesn't look right or what not I'm I'm always amazed in um in the level of of the ability, I guess, of ILM or any of those companies. But, you know, when it comes to the Marvel movies, um, they really don't spare an expense. I mean, they they really, for the the speed that they put them out as well. You know, I I haven't seen um, the original Iron Man in a while, but I still remember that first scene where he figures out how to fly and blasts off. Um, into the night sky with the rock music playing and everything, and I was like, you know, that was a pretty beautiful scene. And they've they've kept that quality up uh, for for all of these movies, I think. Like I said, it just I just felt like it was it was overkill, but it was damn good. I mean, I, you know, I, I can sit back and shut my mind off and just admire what the, what the work is, and uh, that that was that was easy to do in that case.
1: Yeah, it truly is a work of art because uh, it, it. I mean, it, every time I every time I see a Marvel hit on movie it's like oh my gosh these graphics are amazing especially I mean especially Iron Man I mean it's one of my favorite ones (laughs) it really is
0: yeah and I feel like you know uh here for the most part the effects serve the story you know it's not just spectacle for spectacle's sake and that's always a good thing too so Mm -hmm. uh you know for the most part yeah it's it's a little bit Big, very big, with all those like you said, Ken. This, there's, there's a thousand suits. It seems like at the end, but at the inner like six year old me too is just like, oh, this is so fun. Yeah, that's what I mean. You and can so shut I mean, it
2: off and just say, yay, yeah, exactly. go. You know? <laughs> that's that's what we were all yeah, doing. I think. And sometimes
0: you know. I I like doing that. Yeah, um, why not? So, where do you guys? Uh, what would you guys rate Iron Man three? Do you think?
1: Um, I, I would. Uh, we're talking about out of five.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, five or ten, whichever one you want to do.
1: No, we'll just do five. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, four and a half is is what I'm what I would say because I mean, like I said, it's it was a disappointment for me in the beginning, but you know, now that we all now that we're in this time where you know uh, we see uh, Age of Ultron and everything, it it fits perfectly with um, what's going on, and it's it's a great setup movie. So yeah, four and a half for me.
2: I guess I would say it's uh w- w- how would we put it? Three and a half pepper pot punches. Um uh, yeah, I guess that pepper pot's punches, something. Yeah, she well wow, you could say that three times. You fast. Can't, can't do it. Absolutely <laughs> not. It, it's it's a good movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a good movie. It's 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 better than, than Iron Man two by by a lot. I think it's better than better than Ultron, um, in my opinion. But it it fits you know, it, it was a it was a fun, enjoyable movie. I guess you know, the 800-pound the gorilla in the room to me was, and it was, I remember coming out of the theater with, with my, I told you, my middle son who, who had watched it, and we were both like, we felt like we had seen it before. And he said to me, it was The Incredibles. And I went, right. It's the same plot as The Incredibles, the same dejected kid who grows up to, to wreak havoc with these powers. It's kind of true. It's actually. amazing. It is exactly the same. I was like, ah. And now that that was in my head, I was like, oh, you
0: caught me monologuing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang. <laughs> Dang. Anyway, so that's 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 why I was like, man, it. Mm. So you know, I I I had to deduct some points for originality because I would love to play, you know, that first scene with the the same kid standing out there waiting for the superhero that never arrives, who grows up to be the bad guy. Um, I don't know, but at any rate, uh, you know, like I said before, great art, great movie theater. But you know, I want to, you, you know, was it was it a four or a five rated film? No, there's there's. If we're rating out of five, and I compare it to my all-time
1: favorites, it's hard to get a five. So I say three and a half. Oh, Ken, you had to say that, because I'm going to have to drop mine down to at least a four now, because <laughs> <laughs> you just said that. I didn't even think of it like that until you just said it. <laughs> That's awesome. Blame my son. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Well, I'm not going to monologue about my uh, rating, but I would say that for me, this is a I I think it's a four star out of five movie. Uh, it it's it's four out of five Iron Man suits that explode uh, like fireworks. Mm-hmm. It it to me I just I, what I responded to here was the character arc for Tony Stark and that we were actually trying to move the character forward. It's why I don't like Iron Man two. It's why I li- I would actually consider Iron Man. Avengers and this the arc for Tony because it it really feels like if you watch those three you get the full arc of the character here and then of course you watch Ultron and Civil War and and then Tony's character falls apart again Uh, but here you really do feel like you're getting a whole spectrum of watching this character move forward and I love it so It's a lot of fun, Uh, and I love that we got to talk about this here at the end of the year. We're going to be looking forward in the new year to some new Marvel movies. We've got Thor Ragnarok coming out, as well as Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, So we'll be talking about some other Marvel films. In fact, that means we'll have to cover uh, Thor, The Dark World, and Guardians of the Galaxy, the original, and and we will have covered then all of the Marvel films here on the 602 Club, which, uh, yeah, we will have caught up. And we'll be current the whole time. So it's wonderful. And we got a big gear coming up for you guys. I mean, there's some incredible stuff coming out. I mean, just thinking off the top of my head, there's there's all that Marvel stuff. We've got Wonder Woman, Justice League, Episode 8, some some amazing things like Dunkirk from Christopher Nolan coming out. I mean, just it's gonna be another fantastic year. We'll continue on with our Bond series with John Champion. Just look for another great year coming out with the 602 Club. And I really want to thank uh, our associate producers through Patreon, Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson for being with us for so long and making sure that the 602 Club comes to you each week. But not just the 602 Club. Every other show on the network as well. Uh, we are a listener-supported network. And this is, this is really important because there's no way in 2017 that we can continue to make this network happen without your support, without your generous support. Now, every little bit helps, so go to patreon.com slash trekfm, see how you can be, partner with us in these programs, and be part of our team. We've got some fun perks that come at different levels, and we hope that you'll join us. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. Now, Richard, uh, before we get out of here, where can we find you uh, here online and at
1: the network? Well, um, everyone can find me on the Babel Conference, and my Twitter handle is xransom. And um, you can also catch me on uh, Earl Grey, uh, the dedicated uh, TNG uh, podcast that's on FM. And now, Ken,
0: uh, loved having you back here on the 602 Club. So much fun. Where can we find you, of course, on the network and then online?
2: You can find me on the network hosting Standard Orbit with my friend Zach Moore. We're having a good time over there. Uh, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm in there engaging with everybody as often as I can be. And you can find me on Twitter, at BostonSCPO. And uh, i take this quick opportunity to wish you both a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Peace and blessings to you guys. It's, by the time this thing broadcasts, I think we'll be right on the cusp of it. So um, hope you guys have a, have a great, great, so great holiday.
0: Thank you so much, Ken. Uh, same to both of you. And, uh, of course, you can find me here on Twitter, MattRushing02. On the network, you can find me in the Orb with Chris Jones talking about Deep Space Nine. Uh, You can find me on all of the episodes of Literary Treks up till now. Uh, This is my last year on Literary Treks uh, with Bruce and Dan talking about the books and the comics of Star Trek as well as interviewing the authors. You can also find me on Star Wars 602 Club Collection, which is our special feed for just all the Star Wars episodes for the 602 Club. Both that and the main feed are both on iTunes. And then... If you love Star Wars, you're going to want to check out Aggressive Negotiations, where I talk with John Mills each week. We pick a fun new topic in Star Wars and just run with it. Uh, that's over on thenerdparty.com, and you can also find that on iTunes. Plus, look for something special coming in the new year from me. Uh, you, you got something to look forward to. Just make sure you tune in to my Twitter at MattRushing02, and you'll see what's coming. Well, thank you so much for joining us.